Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. All right, good evening, everyone. It's good to see each and every one of you here. Um, I am pinch-hitting tonight. Um, found out about five minutes ago, so uh, the... Uh, um, so tonight, we'll be learning a little bit together about James chapter 3. Uh, please turn with me to James chapter 3. All right. So for the folks who are in the deaf class, this will be a little bit of a repeat, but it was almost two months ago that we went over this, so it hopefully won't be much of a repeat for them either. Okay, so uh, James chapter 3. Uh, let's, uh, before we start, pray for God's blessings on what we learn together. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for giving us the ability to learn, to grow, to be more like your son. Please help us to take what we learn tonight, and to strive to be more like you through it. Please help us to learn how to control our tongues and to do a good job of representing you in all we do. Thank you so much for this time, and we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, we are in James chapter 3, uh, so we'll be doing the first portion of this chapter. So, let's start out by reading James chapter 3, or I'm sorry, just for context. Um, so, the book of James is a very practical book, as I'm sure you all know. Um, it contains a lot of insights, a lot of comparisons that are easy to relate to. So that's one of the things that I really like about this particular chapter is that there are so many things that I can relate to because uh, taming the tongue is something that I need to do uh, and practice. So I hope that this can be something we all can learn from together. So uh, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. My brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. So let's look first at this first phrase. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers. So that means I shouldn't be up here, right? That, all right, context is king when you're understanding the scriptures, right? Um, that's the first rule of understanding the Bible. So if I just read this phrase and took it completely out of context, then it would be easy to reach a false conclusion. Um, so we always have to be careful to handle God's word correctly. So let's look at the rest of verse 1. That context is that we who teach includes James. 
So what, what does this mean? Why, why would he say, let not many of you become teachers? Um, let's turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing his last letter, and he's giving some admonitions and some encouragement to Timothy. So there in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing or rightly handling the word of truth. So then uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, linking with that, he says, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we see from verse 15 that we need to handle the word of truth correctly and that then um, the people who are to teach should be faithful and then able to teach others also. So we need careful selection of teachers. We need to be able to seek after what's good and right. And you'll note if you look at the qualifications of elders that there's a qualification that relates to this, right? Being able to teach. That's really, really important. An elder needs to be able to teach the flock, to guide the flock towards the truth, not just his own thoughts and his own ideas. Um, so because this is a qualification of an elder, does this mean that something that, something that comes to us naturally? No. The vast majority of the qualifications of elders are things that don't come naturally. The things you have to, to learn, you, you have to intentionally pursue in order to gain. Um, so that's part of the reason that we should respect elders, because they work really hard to be examples to the flock. Um, so then uh, let's jump back over to James and then uh, look at the rest of verses 1 and 2. So the rest of those verses relate to consequences and kind of difficulties uh, associated with teaching. So teaching is good, uh, but consequences are not light for teaching what is wrong. Um, So if you're receiving a stricter judgment from God, that's not light. Uh, Jesus was the master teacher. So in comparison to him, we have to be cautious, teach what is right, and handle the word of truth correctly. Um, you know, who, myself included, has ever stumbled in something that you've said? Every single person in here, right? Um, I, I can't count the number of times that I've wished that I could gobble words back into my mouth and like act like it never happened and you know, be able to actually say something that's good or something that's uplifting. Um, so this is what James is referred to, referring to. You know, we have to strive not to stumble in words, uh, but rather bridle our tongues as well as our bodies. So as we're talking about bridles, let's go to the next verse. So there, James chapter 3 and verse 3. So there it says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So uh, let's do a quick introduction to a bit and a bridle for anyone who needs it. So uh, if you look up at the screen on the left side, uh, you have the picture of the bit, which is that shiny piece down at the bottom, and then the bridle, which is the leather portion uh, up at the top, 
and then you have the reins, which are just off to the right. So the bit, uh, that shiny portion, is what goes inside the horse's mouth. So it goes into an area that is, is soft and uh, doesn't have any teeth back towards the, the end of their mouth, such that uh, small bits of pressure will be able to be felt uh, pretty immediately by the horse. So a good horse that's well-trained, you don't need to use much pressure on the reins in order to guide its head. Uh, so then the, the bridle, of course, is connected to the whole head, turns the whole head of the horse, uh, and then the reins go back to the rider. So um, that's a quick introduction to uh, a bridle and to a horse. Uh, Jerry, am I okay on that? All right, sounds good. <laughs> Had to ask one of our resident horse experts to make sure. Um, so how many of you, show of hands, have ever ridden a horse while holding the reins yourself? Okay, okay, about, about half of the folks in here, all right, that works. So isn't it amazing to be able to guide an animal that's 800 pounds, 1,000 pounds, you know, way, way bigger than you are with just some leather and a really tiny little bit? You know, you're talking about guiding a 800-pound animal with something that weighs three, five pounds, something like that and then a little bit of pressure from your hands. Um, so a, a good, tamed horse wants to please and be useful for its master. Um, it, it wants to be guided. Um, but, you know, sometimes a horse will go in a direction that is not good, either for it or for its master. Um, and when that thing, when those kinds of things happen, this bit and bridle is really, really, really important and the way that that horse responds to it. Um, so in the same way, we want to please and be useful to our master. Um, that only happens if we let him take the reins, if we let him guide us towards the goal where we want to be. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, if you turn over there with me, um, there's some guidance there that the, the writer gives to us. So there in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So if we really want to follow God, we have to let him direct our steps. So if we let him help us tame our tongue in addition to our thoughts and our actions, then we're allowing our body to be guided to be useful for the master. So I, I want to be a useful horse. If I can do that, then that, that's, that's a good step in the right direction for God. So any questions or comments so far on horses and bits and bridles? from all of you horse riders in the room. All right. Let's go ahead and keep on going to uh, verse 4. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. 
Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So let's talk about ships and rudders. Uh, can we pull up, uh, pull up the picture of the uh, really, yeah, there you go. That's the ship I was looking for. So um, this ship is the Khufu ship, which is K-H-U-F-U. So that ship was sealed into a pit in the Great Pyramid of Pharaoh, who has that name. It was around 2500 BC. So this is one of the oldest preserved ships in the world. Um, So if you look at it, it has uh, a clear design made for going down the Nile River. It has a pretty shallow uh, bottom for the boat. And then it has the ability for a bunch of oars to be run by slaves um, or by, I guess, hired hands um, in, in order to, to move that, that ship. So then I think we've got one more picture that's related to this ship. Yeah, there you go. So here you see the rudders for that Khufu ship. So um, these, these rudders are pretty small, right? You know, the, these, in comparison to the whole big ship, These are are small things, yet they're what guide the ship towards wherever it's going to go. Um, So rudders are really, really critical if you're wanting to steer a ship and do it properly. Uh, They've been around for thousands and thousands of years. Um, We we have a song that's connected to this. So there's a song we sing sometimes that's called, He Will Pilot Me. Um, I, I love this song because of the imagery that's, that's in that. Um, so a, a pilot is a, um, a special kind of sailor who is specially trained to maneuver ships through dangerous or congested waters. Um, most, uh, a, a very common use for a pilot is uh, in a harbor or in the mouth of a river. So they are really skilled professionals who are invaluable in certain ports, especially. So what they will do is the, the large ship will come to the mouth of the harbor. And then once it gets to the mouth of the harbor, there will be a small boat that will come from land that will just take this pilot over to the big boat, move the pilot into that boat, and then he, knowing exactly how that harbor looks, is going to guide it the rest of the way safely into the harbor around all of the different dangerous obstacles that are in the midst of that harbor. Um, It's it's a a skilled profession. Um, So God is the ultimate pilot. Uh, That's one of the things in that song that really brings out. Um, So he will use a small rudder to guide us to where we need to be. Um, So now think about uh, different environments that that a ship might be in. Um, If you have a ship that's in calm waters, you know, a a rudder is useful. It's a a good thing to have. Um, You want to go where you want to go. If you are in a ship uh, that is in a storm, 
a rudder suddenly goes from just being something that's useful to something that's absolutely critical to your survival. Um, if you have a, a ship with a, con- with a controlled rudder, then you have a controlled boat. If you have a ship with a disconnected rudder, you might as well throw your hands up and say, hey, I'm, I'm done. Um, because that storm is going to do whatever it wants to that boat, and it's going to capsize that boat over time. So if um, for, for us, similarly, um, is... Questions for us to ask is, is our rudder connected to the will of the pilot? Um, Is my tongue uncontrolled in the middle of a storm, or do I control it via God's strength? So, in the midst of a trial is when our light should shine the most. That's when people should be able to see what we're really made of. So when I'm in the midst of a trial, do I let the pilot guide my tongue, or do I let my tongue go wherever it wants to go? Okay. Questions, thoughts on rudders and ships? So uh, what he brought out was that um, one of the things that James is bringing out of this text is the relative size of things. Um, So in the rudder to a whole ship, the bit to a whole horse comparison. So the same is true for our words. Sometimes we might think of our words as not having much impact. Um, That, oh, that, that was just something I said. It's okay. It's not a big deal. Um, but our words are really, really, really important. And so um, if we're in a stressful situation, then we might say something flippantly uh, that's, that tears people down. Uh, if we're in a stressful situation and God is guiding us and we're shining our light and we say something casually that is good, that might really make a big difference on someone that's around us. So Chancellor Miss Debbie. Yeah, no, 
that's a great point, Miss Debbie. So she she said another illustration that she's heard before is that um, uh, you could use the illustration of a pill. Uh, sometimes uh, one pill can, if properly designed, can do a great amount of benefit to a person. Uh, but one pill that's uh, used in the wrong way can do a great amount of harm to a person. Uh, so it's the same for our words. Um, we, we can say something that we think is small that can hurt or can help. Thank you. Charles brought out is, you know, another thing to be cautious of is how we interact with someone when we're face-to-face in comparison to when we're on the phone, or I would extend that to being online. Um, You know, how many times would we say something online to someone or about someone that we would never say if we were standing face-to-face with them? Um, You know, flippant things that are said online are... are, uh, are just as damaging as flippant things that are said in person. Um, so we, we have to be able to use our words, uh, whether we're on the phone or whether we're online or whether we're in person in ways that build up rather than tear down. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so uh, that, that actually leads really well into verse 5. So I was going to delve into that a little bit. Um, so even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So um, who can guess? All right, we're going to play a guessing game. Who can guess the weight of an average adult human tongue? Twelve ounces. Okay. All right. All right. So three quarters of a pound. There we go. Six ounces. All right. All right. Do I hear five? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're getting closer. So the the average weight of, a, of an adult human tongue is about an eighth of a pound. Um, so that's just just the portion that's right here. Um, so about an eighth of a pound, so two to two and a half ounces. So uh, if you're just comparing averages as a per- percentage of average adult human body weight, the tongue is 0.08% of your body weight. So that's less than a tenth of a percent. That is not very much at all. Um, so should I be able to control something that small? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, if I can lift, you know, weights, I should be able to control something that weighs an eighth of a pound. That shouldn't be that hard, right? Um, we can control our tongue 
with God's strength. Uh, let's turn over to First Peter ch- together. First Peter chapter three. So read there in verse 10, which is a quote from Psalm 34. So there it says, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So this first portion, uh, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Um, These are things we really need to do. Uh, We need to refrain our tongue. We need to control our tongue so that we can be useful for the master. Okay. Any other thoughts on uh, the tongue as a small member before we get to the tongue as a fire? Obviously, you know, God as, as creator, Jesus, has the power through his words that we don't. But still, there is so much power in the word. I agree. Sir. talking about how sometimes there's uh, foul language on the television and uh, being able to control the tongue uh, by, by those who are on television would be very, very nice. Um, so there are, there are filtering services that are very, very useful for those kinds of things. Um, so, all right, let's, let's get into uh, verse 5 and 6. So there at the end of verse 5, it says, See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Okay, so let's think about fire. Um, who can give an example of a fire under control? Steam locomotive. There you go. That's a great one. Yep, yep. Barbecue pit. That's a great one under control, especially when it's under your control, Randy. <laughs> Yeah, 
blast furnace. There you go. So a blast furnace for being able to refine uh, different metals and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about our, our uh, heating and air conditioning, our, our heating unit at home? Um, without a gas heating unit in the winter or an electric heating unit, um, I'd be pretty cold. I'm really, really thankful that we're able to control fire and make it useful for us. Um, what about a campfire? You know? Spark plugs, there you go. <laughs> right? I, I, I would be riding a horse, and you know, it takes a little bit longer if you're riding a horse to get places, right? Um, so what about, you know, we can, we can all think of examples of out-of-control fires, untamed fires. Um, you know, out in California, they've had horrible wildfires over this, this past year, um, you know, Tens of thousands of acres have been burned through through that. Um, you know, a, a house fire. Um, you know, ask Ron or Paul Burgess about a house fire and what that looks like when, when something gets out of control. Um, many, many times um, house fires are started by something that was good but just was uncontrolled. Um, leave something sitting on the stove for too long. Uh, trying to make some popcorn got some grease, and oh man, you got a grease fire, just like that. All right, cool, we've got to work through that and figure out how to do it. Um, when I was uh, uh, in college, I borrowed my roommate's pan because I was going to sear my steak. And um, I thought, all right, I'm going to put some oil in this, I'm going to heat it up, and I'm going to throw that steak in there. Oh, man, this is going to be great. Uh, it was not great. It was, it was a horrible experience because uh, I, I let that flame up into a fire. So uh, luckily, I had presence of mind to take it outside and stick a, a lid on top of that. Um, my, my buddy's pan was never the same, though. Um, so I, that, that was, uh, that's still something that I, I think of. So, um, you know, something that's good... Uh, if it's uncontrolled, can turn into something that's bad. Um, you know, forest fires, uh, you know, a lot of times those are caused by just somebody flicking an ember or, you know, flicking a, a, a cigarette or something like that. Obviously, a cigarette's a bad thing, so that's a poor example. Um, let's think about a campfire. You know, you've got leftovers from a campfire that you didn't put out. Um, it, that was a good thing initially, but then it was uncontrolled, and left into, into bad things. Um, so similarly, our tongues can be under control. They can be tamed. Um, you know, Hebrews 10 verse 24 said we need to stir up one another to love and good works. Um, so that's a way that we can use our tongues for God and for good. You know, versus if we're out of control, if we're untamed, then that's where we get to the point where um, in verse 6 it says it's, uh, it is setting on fire the entire course of life, and it's set on fire by hell. So um, God gives us tremendous power in, in our tongues when it comes to uh, the power we have to do good and the power we have to do evil. So we have to be really careful about how we use our tongues, whether it's for good or for evil. Um, Okay, comments or questions on the fire portion? Yep. 
Sometimes popcorn can be dangerous if it's uncontrolled, huh? Yeah. <laughs> right? Don't want to set the building on fire. Um, all right, so then let, let's keep on then to verse number 7. So there God says, uh, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. Um, Think about the endless varieties of animals that we have learned to coexist with, that we have learned to make useful for ourselves. Um, You know, extreme examples, you know, include obviously a horse or an elephant. Or uh, you think about... um, SeaWorld and the killer whales that when trained well and when doing what they're supposed to, um, they produce a really amazing show that we get to really enjoy a lot. Um, So every kind has been tamed. But then verse 8 says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Um, So we cannot tame the tongue on our own. Only with God's strength can we do that. Uh, When it says unruly, um, you think of a child who's disobedient. A child who's disobedient is unruly. Um, So the tongue is a small member like a child. And if a child uh, wants to run around and be unruly, they can obviously get into a lot of trouble. And then when we talk about full of deadly poison, um, it's not just full of something that could potentially, possibly hurt you. It's full of deadly poison. That underscores the importance of what God's telling us through this passage. Okay. So, um, verse 9. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So we see, again, there are two ways that we can use our tongue. We can either use it to bless God and bless men, or we can be half-hearted in what we do, be double-minded, bless God and curse men. Um, So, We need to bridle our tongue. We need to make sure that we are using it for good in all of the ways that we are being consistent. We are not being hypocritical in how we use our tongues. Um, So a spring. Um, I don't know how many of you have gone backpacking before and have gotten to go to a place where there's a spring coming up out of the water, and you've got that clear, fresh mountain water that's right there. Um, You dip your canteen in there, take a a really big drink. Oh, it tastes 
fantastic. Best water you've ever had in your life. If I came up to that spring after hiking six miles, and I'm like, oh, right, this spring, it has such good water. It's so, so clean and so fresh. And I dip that, in, that canteen in, and I take it to my lips, and oh, that's salt water. Why is it there? That shouldn't be salt water. This should be great water. Why, why is it there? Um, similarly, if, if I'm a Christian, and if I'm professing to be a Christian and live like a Christian, and if God gives me an opportunity to talk to someone about God or just to shine in a difficult situation, then what God expects to see from me is, is clean water, is, is good water. If instead what comes out of me is bitter, if, it, if it's salty, that's not using uh, my own body and the gifts that God has given me for good. It's using it for evil. Um, so how many situations can, can you think of where that could apply? Um, it's all over the place. So our, our tongues are really, really important to try to control and to try to use for God. Um, okay. And the concluding thoughts, comments? Go for it, brother. Uh, Lewis brought out that one of the applications for this is in evangelism. Um, you know, you can uh, take a perspective in evangelism where you just want to win an argument. I want to convince this person that I am right. That is not going to win them to Christ in any way, shape, or form. Uh, God's word is what has the power. God's word is what will guide them. So we need to let God's word... Um, pierce the soul and spirit and have that power. So thank you all so much for your time tonight and uh, we will see you here in a little bit. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, Send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.